Well, this is it, and here we go with another great edition of Inside EMS. EMS Week, we are coming to the end of EMS Week. And here with me to see the end of another great EMS Week is our good friend, Kelly Grayson, the one we call KG. KG, what's going on? Oh, man, just usual. Just uh, uh, continuing the Kelly Grayson uh, wor EMS World Tour. I'm at the Swamp Rabbit uh, Pre-Hospital Emergency Medicine Conference this week, uh, wrapping up EMS Week and uh, having a good time at it. And um thankful to be alive, you know, thankful mm -hmm. to, there's nothing like uh, celebrating surviving a DVT and a, and a pulmonary embolus like an eight hour car drive to get oh, to a conference. Right. So. Yeah, that is kind of, but you're still on all that. <laughs> Thank medicine. God for eloquence. Yeah. I was going to say, you're still on all that medicine, so it shouldn't be too much of a problem, yeah, I'm, but man, I'm still on the, I'm still on the vascular Drano. You can't, um, and, uh, uh, you can't fly to where, where's, where's the swamp rabbit? What the heck's that? Well, it's in, it's in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a great show. I mean, Scott Weingart is here and I'm, I'm fangirling uh, big time. So, um, yeah, I could, I could fly there, but, but the way the connections work and my layovers, I would spend as much time in airports to get there from, from, uh, BFE, Louisiana, yeah, uh, yeah. as I would in the car. So I just hop in the car and drive. So really interesting, really interesting. So, um, Oh, EMS that's a nice mug. Where's mine? The inside EMS <laughs> mug, by the way. I do have mug. I did buy mugs for you too, but when I heard that you may die, I was kind of hedging my bets, so I was kind of <laughs> holding it back. But now that now that I know you're going to be okay, I'll go ahead and put them in the mail to you, so you can have your inside EMS uh, mug as well. Okay. So, uh, 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 thanks for your faith in me, man. No, I was actually going to figure out how do I get down to Pitkin to see what else you have there that I could put my hands on. So, you know, you never know what you could pick up. So I'll, I'll leave some of my guns. See if that's, oh, that'd be that's nice, man. That'd be really awesome. Yeah. And I'll shoot them with pride and, and uh, think about the anatomy of a pew. When I do, if you haven't read <laughs> Kelly Grayson's article, anatomy of a pew, uh, go ahead and check that out. But man, your books are doing good too, Kelly. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited uh every time you're coming up with a little short story it's really kind of cool but uh number one bestseller again so congratulations yeah three in a row so yeah, very cool very cool but today we're going to talk about ems week the theme yeah. this year is ems where emergency care begins and uh you know a lot of great things happened the ems week and we really kind of focused on um where ems uh, care begins where emergency care begins and uh, we all know that Wednesday is the day that we give recognition to the EMSC, EMS for Children. Our good friend Bob Waddell is responsible for that all them years ago. And I always think about him specifically on the Wednesday of EMS week for all the work that he did and yeah. uh, getting recognition for uh, EMSC and working with kids uh, during EMS week. Yeah. You know, and as a former state uh, EMSC uh, coordinator, uh, it's a, it's a area that's near and dear to my heart as well. Um, yep. so Bob's, Bob's a, a stellar advocate for pediatric, uh, education and EMS. And I don't know where he's been. I haven't talked to him in a lot of years, mentor of mine and, uh, taught me a lot of things was very, um, how do you say, uh, um, you know, gave me a lot of leeway to be who I was and uh, accepted me for the flaws. But then as we started to grow together in our, our friendship yeah. relationship was a great teacher as well. So Bob, if you're out there, cheers to you. Uh, we think about you every year around this time. Let's catch up. But anyway, 
You know, so when we think about where emergency care begins, you know, Kelly, one of the things that you talk about and you've said on the show for 10 years or so is that um, we should really have EMS week 51 weeks a year and then take the, you know, this EMS week off. And one of the things that's somewhere. That's right. But one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, the work that I do in the community paramedicine space, and now we get off the EMS week thing for a minute and deal with the the people that work inside the insurance companies. When I say to them, uh, this is what paramedics can do. This is what community paramedics can do. I can't count the number of times people say to me, what, wait a minute, paramedics can really do that. I mean, this is 2023, man. Yeah. And you're telling yeah. me that you don't know, but then I have to remember to step back to say, who's teaching them this? Who's teaching them that's that right. this is what we do? That's right. And that's one of the things, you know, that we've, and, and I, I, I don't agree with you that community paramedicine has nothing to do with EMS week. Uh, it, it has everything to do with the EMS week because, um, advocacy is what this is all about and and we as a profession has kind of fallen down on the job for for quite a while on educating the public about the capabilities of ems and and the the obstacles and hardships that we face and that's what ems week is all about and and uh our our capabilities and i think we i think we did a fine job of of highlighting that during the covid pandemic showing uh, how hard we work, uh, the obstacles and dangers we face, and what we are capable of doing. Uh, and, and I hope that we capitalize and maintain that momentum. And, and, and the first to respond uh, is, is a perfect way to do it. You know, um, I, I do quibble with, uh, with the, the, the slogan every year, you know, I, I'm never, I'm never quite satisfied with the uh, slogan that, that uh, uh, NAEMSP uh, comes up with, but uh you know, until my Legion of Flying Monkeys completes my quest for world domination, I'll just have to go with what they come up with. Uh, but it's 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 a good slogan. Um, I think we need to to leverage our advocacy and 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 teach the the real first responders, uh, the public, uh, about what's appropriate to, to call EMS for and what they can do to yeah. kind of crowdsource that early care. And one of the things that I spoke about this week quite a bit was. When we think about EMS, where emergency care begins, it really is with the folks that are in the communication center. Those, yeah. this, and, and I think they're being forgotten in this process when we talk about where emergency care begins. I don't like that smile you got there, but where emergency I, care begins um, really starts with those with those callers and those. You know, I love dispatchers. my I love my dispatcher. Sure, you got I, no uh, choice but to stay that. You know, I was I've, actually I've, in. I've got a I've got a little doll of my dispatcher that I. Yeah, you I'm know, sure you do. Um, and I was actually in Lafayette, and uh, when I went to uh, th take a tour of the Acadian uh, Communication Center, I was talking to the manager there. I said, take care of my good friend, Kelly Grayson. And uh, for some reason, the conversation ended right there. He walked away. Oh, they, yeah, they've been taking know. good care of me, really good care of me. I don't know what happened. But anyway, but I think we were forgetting, and I, I reminded people a lot this week that we have to remember the work that the call takers do. Yeah. Uh, the dispatchers are getting the, those vehicles en route even before, you know, being able to sense, you know, what the call type is going to be and what the priority yeah. is going to be. And they get them rolling even before, you know, those uh, that call is really completed. But we've got to remember those call takers who take a lot of phys who take a lot of verbal abuse, uh, you know, who who are really in the first link of that chain of survival. And uh, that's where emergency care begins before we even get on scene. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's undoubtedly, it's a, it's a high pressure, high stress job. Uh, and, and I don't give dispatchers enough credit. Um, uh, I, I sometimes am frustrated with the, with the, the relationship and, and with dispatch and, and EMS Some, at my sometimes? agency, but it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's one of those things where they're shorthanded just like we are. Yeah. And and that that reflects their and that affects their efficiency as 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 well as it does us and and I don't see it from the other side. Uh, they have to uh, they have to juggle less trucks than they normally would have, and their their resources are stretched thin. Uh, I would like to point out that the emergency telecommunicators have their own dadgum week, and it's earlier in the week, and we could talk about field EMS now. Okay, but let's go ahead and do that. You know, so one of the things that I think that we need to uh, think about is, um, you know, we think where emergency care begins, yeah. you said it, you know, really well that it, it should begin in the community as well. And I think EMS over the years, and, and I was really kind of working with a lot of agencies this week on some of their community-based education, where we think about stop the bleed programs, yeah. where we think about uh, AED training, where we think about, um, you know, CPR training, and I think that we've done a really great job. I mean, even I was talking to an agency about the babysitting classes that they do to oh, prepare, yeah. you know, to prepare the graduates uh, over the summer that they're able to do babysitting with with CPR and with first aid classes. And they even do things where they change diapers, where they put peanut butter and, you know, they, uh, you know, put the diaper back on. So the kids will have to learn how to change diapers. I mean, but the injury. Do they, do they yeah. use different substances depending on the age of the no, baby? Stop, stop like right peanut there. Peanut butter for stop certain right. ages, guacamole stop. for others. They may Nutella. use, you know, they may use chunky <laughs> peanut butter. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think that I was really impressed with was the different EMS agencies that have the different community education programs. Because, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. Uh, and I just kind of mentioned that from the insurance company side is um, they don't know what we do, but being able yeah. to educate and being able to be in the community and a cornerstone of that uh, really kind of helps those processes. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's ultimately a local uh, phenomenon, a local solution. If you've seen one EMS agency, you've seen one EMS agency. And uh, it, it's nice that, that uh, the agencies, uh, that that do this community outreach and education find find solutions that fit their particular needs um, and stop the bleed uh, AED uh, public access to fibrillation programs and that sort of thing even s the simple things of of educating the public on what is and what is not uh, an emergency and what warrants an ambulance uh, um, I, I think that the COVID pandemic proved uh, pretty uh, conclusively that we can educate people on when it is appropriate to call an ambulance and when not. Uh, we did that effectively during the COVID pandemic and people were not calling unless they were very sick and, and legitimately needed an ambulance. And I would hope that, uh, you know, in the years going forward that we can capitalize on that and and uh, leverage that education to uh, to spread beyond just uh, um pandemic diseases and that sort of thing yeah you know one of the things that i think we have to remember is we talk about this all the time we've created the environment that we're in right yes and i think yes, we've said we that on this, this show monster. for a lot of years right we talk about we wanted everybody to call 911 we wanted everybody to go to the er uh, because that's, that's what they wanted as well and now as we start to re-educate people 
I don't know that we're doing a good job of it, Kelly. You know, one yeah. of the things that I think we really need to start to think about is how does telehealth, how does telemedicine really work in the 911 process as well? Because um, that may be something where you're able to, if you're using priority dispatch, and there are some agencies that are using nurse triage, can we use mm -hmm. nurse triage or can we use uh, nurse practitioner triage to actually do telehealth, uh, get medicines prescribed, have a community paramedic show up. Um, so when we think about mm -hmm. what the EMS uh, agencies look like in the future, um, where emergency care begins, can it begin with a telehealth visit? Or, yeah. uh, you know, some people who are doing this with the ET3 model, where are you doing, you know, they're doing uh, telehealth in the home with a provider at the other end. Uh, we have to think about this, but we created the environment. Now what we have to do is yeah. recreate the environment. And we're a little bit slow at it because I've been saying we've created the environment that we're in since we started the first community paramedic programs in 2007 and 2008. Now, 15 years later, I'm still saying, you know, we created the environment that we're in. Yeah. And we don't do anything fast, it seems. No, but, uh, well, we gripe really fast. But uh, but as far as, as, you know, paradigm shifting changes, uh, no, we, we, we're kind of slow. The, um but we're making inroads, you know, it's getting more and more common, more and more of our, our medics and, and, uh, uh, and more of our agencies are embracing, uh, mobile integrated healthcare and, and community paramedicine programs. My own agency, uh, in my ops area, every paramedic, uh, is empowered and the EMTs now as well are empowered to do, uh, treatment in place for the patients who meet that meet those criteria and alternate destination transports. And, and we're doing more and more of those. Um, and, and this is something that, that my employers invested in in a big way. And I, and personally, I think it takes, uh, I have noticed that it takes uh, the, takes a, a little bit of the burden uh, off the system, uh, clears our, clears our trucks faster. The patients that I have done, uh, uh, TIP with, uh, have been satisfied with the experience, uh, and it's worked well for them. So one of the things, I mean, if you were going to develop a, a picture, a portrait of where EMS, uh, where emergency care begins, right? So now as we come to the end of EMS week, we really should have talked about this last week, but, um, when we think about what we need to do for the next 52 weeks before EMS week comes back around, uh, how do we capitalize on this theme and really kind of assist our uh, community in developing uh, the best education they can for their own care? Um, I, I think we, we um, realistically educate people on the capability of, of EMS uh, to respond quickly, which is, is uh, decreasing somewhat um, and has, uh, you know, that has been a problem with every major EMS agency for years is, is maintaining their response time standards. Uh, and and it's time that we we really start educating the public on, on what is a realistic uh, and and measurable and, and clinically relevant response time. Um, and part of that is going to be when is it appropriate to call EMS? Uh, and don't expect an ambulance in, in four minutes or less. Uh, for something that has been going on for a month and is not time sensitive in any way. Uh, I don't think we need to take the cable installer route, you know, sometime next Tuesday between noon and 5 p.m. Um, but uh, if we can continue the the inroads we've made 
in educating the public about when it is and is not to uh, summon EMS and call 911, then I think that we can start having an intelligent discussion about response times uh, and and everything else flows from that. You know, Chris, where, where do most of our staffing uh, uh, staffing standards and 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 that sort of thing they all flow from trying to maintain enough get enough trucks to to maintain a response time standard uh once we start talking about uh, when it is appropriate to call ems and how quickly we should get there uh, and start looking at that uh, uh with a little more focus then i think it's going to revolutionize uh how many paramedics we need uh, how many trucks we need on the road what those trucks are going to do everything else you know um we just kind of shift the paradigm as for what ems is supposed to be for the community and that's what we need to focus on in the, in the coming year you may want to leave that pocket open because every time that thing falls out of your ear it falls right into your pocket so you may <laughs> yeah want... i have that i have it just that's like the fourth that. time you did you that know, man. So you leave needs that. to make a kelly shaped airpod yeah so um you know, one of the things that's interesting though is when we talk about this i think one of the things that we need to think about is having less ambulances on the street and more community paramedics yep. that can respond to 911 calls with the ambulance and if yep. it's truly not an emergency and something that they can work on that they should uh, pardon me they should um you know just put the ambulance back in service and do whatever magic they're going to do in their bag of tricks yeah and when we think about this yeah. from the, the standpoint lean, leaner more efficient ems yeah well i mean i think if we want to talk about lean you know you got the systems that are doing the nurse triage and, you know, they're going mm -hmm. deeper into the, you know, priority dispatch protocols and the Omega side. And that could be where they're saying, let me send a paramedic. You don't need an ambulance, but I'm going to send a paramedic to your home. Uh, and I think that's what's going to be lean and efficient. But until you can yeah. get there and have a uh, have a nurse on your staff that can do that and take that liability for the agency, you know, it doesn't hurt to send even two EMTs in a truck with a community paramedic. Mm hmm and then if it's a BLS call or something that the EMTs can handle, which means we have to train our EMTs to be, um, you know, give them a little bit more knowledge, give them a little bit more empowerment, give them a little bit more mm -hmm. skill. And then we're able to, you know, work with uh, uh, putting the ambulance back in service and dealing with getting them, a, you know, a, a an appointment at an urgent care or getting them an appointment at their physicians or reaching in and handing them yeah. a couple of pills until they can get with there. But when we think about the EMS agency of the future, where care begins, where emergency care begins, it doesn't have to begin in an ambulance. No. And it doesn't have to begin with a pair. It doesn't have to involve a paramedic either. Um, this is, you know, the, the plain fact is the vast majority of the patients that we transport only need BLS level care and only receive BLS level care. Um, and I think if we start to empower our BLS providers uh, and educate them better, as you said, uh, we we can we can be leaner and more efficient and, and do like I've said in the past and say, you know, do away with the ALS intercept and replace it with the BLS intercept um, and uh, make uh, make EMS the uh, as Nancy calls it, the Navy SEALs of emergency care. Small, exquisitely trained cadre that uh, punches far above their weight class uh, as far as efficiency goes. And that's what I would like to see in the EMS of the future. Uh, right. Less ambulances on the street, utilize them more efficiently. No, I think you're right. I mean, we want to be able to probably become a community health agency that sometimes has to do ambulance calls. That's what I think we'll yes, need to look at. Exactly. But Kelly, 
Let's go ahead and put the wraps on another EMS week. Let's get up on out of here, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and and folks, the 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 slogan for this week is EMS where emergency care begins. Uh, and what are you doing to help emergency care begin in your community? What community outreach are you doing? Um, and and do you have a cool inside EMS mug like Chris Cavallaro has that I don't? I would like to point out again. Um, but we'd like to hear what you're doing in your community to both advocate for EMS Week and to celebrate uh, celebrate the EMS Week and, and what you're doing to educate the community uh, uh, that your agency serves. We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ovalero, guys, happy EMS Week, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. <laughs>